0: What's going on everybody, this is Eric Elliott back with another episode of the Refocused Nutrition Podcast. This week we have on a very special guest, he's a returning guest, I think he's a very actually returning guest, he's my nutrition coach as well, and that is uh, CEO and founder of Nova 3 Labs Nutrition, or Nova 3 Labs in general, uh, Mike Costelli. Uh, Mike is on this week guys to talk a little bit about performance enhancing drugs and the sport of CrossFit. Um, some of the things that I thought were interesting was really the discussion around why you take uh, performance-enhancing drugs to begin with, but also his assertion that it's really not the professionals that are taking it as much as you possibly thought. It's actually a lot of recreational athletes uh, that are taking it, um, which I thought was very interesting and and something that I haven't seen, but I'd like to see uh, play out and see what that looks like uh, around, I guess, around the sport. Um, But As I sit here recording this, it is the second day after the CrossFit Games this year, and lo and behold, Matt Fraser and Tia Toomey are the fittest people on earth again this year. some things obviously like it's great to see it was really awesome to see some of the memorable moments with Matt and Tia competing and Noah gave Noah Olsen gave Matt a real run this year which was super awesome to see um but one of the things i wanted to talk about was the cut system and and how it played out this year and how how it looked to watch because it was interesting this year was just it was it was unlike no other year um they had a very strict cutting format where we went down from approximately 140 athletes down to um, 75 then down to 50 40 30 and 10 I believe if that was the cutoffs uh, but it was something around that nature and what that was guys it was it was interesting to see obviously the initial initial cuts because some big athletes like Tim Paulson and and uh, Street Horner were cut um, in that initial event but then the other thing about it too is it it started to show a lot of athletes like Brent Fikowski or Patrick Vellner, and I'm not just saying them because they're Canadians, but athletes that were, weren't able to make it into the final day of competition. Um, and on the woman's side, like an athlete like Brooke Wells, um, who wasn't able to do the lift-off on Saturday afternoon, um, it was interesting to watch it. The reason I bring this up is because the CrossFit Games are supposed to be a test of fitness. It's supposed to be a test to showcase who is the fittest on earth. Now, the ranking at the end of the day manifests where you are in the fittest. So, if you finish fifteenth, you can claim you're the fifteenth fittest woman on earth. If you finish tenth, etc., etc. However, if you didn't make it till, if you didn't get to do all of the, if you didn't get to do all of the tests, you essentially don't get to say that. You've done everything, right? Conceivably, if Brooke Wells would have done the event, the liftoff, the clean on Saturday evening or afternoon, she probably would have been able to clean 215 pounds and beat a couple people who weren't able to get there, like Haley Adams, for example. She probably would have moved up from her current placing, and that stuff matters when it comes to athletes actually you know going to sponsors and trying to get more money so that they can make this their professional careers. I think that's a super important thing that we have we often don't actually look at because these a lot of these people are taking it and trying to earn enough money so that this is their job. I know it's boohoo like you know. Poor me, I can't make my life a professional career of working out, but it is a super important thing to keep in mind. The other aspect, and I think this is something that we need to look at over the next year and see if Dave Castro and team are going to change it, is do we need to have cutoffs this fast, this quick? So, what I mean by that is again, the CrossFit Games is a test of fitness. So, in that test, guys, could you imagine any other avenue where if you were taking your driver's license test and you had five questions to start off with, and if you didn't score a certain point on the first five, the other 80 you wouldn't be able to take? Or however many? That's essentially what the CrossFit Games are. If you can't get past the first few tests, it doesn't matter how fit you are. Right? And that, and that kind of sucks. I mean, it is what it is. But you know, if you are really strong in... You can typically you know, average out the rest of the things. You actually couldn't manifest that strength at any point. It just seems a little bit ludicrous to think that you aren't able to test out your strengths, showcase everything that you have to offer because you were only able to take one portion of the test. It seems a little bit odd. And the ordering of it seriously matters. So that's something I like. I like to to see change. It may or may not change. Um, obviously, Dave Castro is not listening to this and thinking what I want to to hear by any means or what I want to see. Um, but it's just something that I you know it, it seemed like a little bit of a flawed uh, test or schedule of tests uh, throughout the weekend. I did like all of the workouts. Seemingly, uh, they all seemed pretty awesome. But again, I just think the ordering matters. But for now, guys, that's enough of me shooting the shit. I'm going to let Mike do the talking from here on out. He's going to be with me and we're going to be talking about performance enhancing drugs. Stay tuned guys. Uh, Next week we have on James Fitzgerald with a nice episode talking about competition. Take care guys. Enjoy the episode.
1: Awesome. And welcome back to the show again. We have this this week we have on uh, my nutrition coach and a, this is the first time we have a returning guest. We have, uh, CEO um, Mike Castelli of uh, Novel Three Labs. He, uh, as I mentioned, he's my nutrition coach, and we. Won't, I wanted to talk to Mike a little bit about the uh, P.D. realm of CrossFit uh, specifically, just because there's been so much that's gone on uh, over the last, I would say, a couple of years. Basically, the since Ricky Garrard was caught uh, cheating two years ago, and it's it's been going on ever since. And CrossFit's is trying to, you know pin down more of this and harken down on a little bit more on the cheating. Um, and rightfully so. I think that's a great avenue to go down. Um, but there's, as all things and all programs, when you initially put it in, there's some things that need to be ironed out and aren't perfect right away. So I wanted to to chat with Mike about it because there's so many things um, that I think are good about the the value of trying to, to cut out cheating within the sport, but at the same time, there's still some loopholes, especially with the science that's changed uh, with PED testing. So, welcome back to the show, Mike. Um, we were talking a little bit off air to start with, um, but let's talk a little bit about the history of PED performance within CrossFit, because I think that's one thing that people who aren't into CrossFit watch it and they say, well, everybody's using, Rich is using, you guys are using, everybody must be using. And then when Ricky got caught, it was like, told you so. Um, you've been around since like the start. Mm-hmm. What's your perception on it, I guess, to start off with in terms of the the amount of cheaters, if you will, quote unquote.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, the history behind it. And I think, I mean, a lot of, a lot of armchair critics out there without a doubt and mm-hmm really, we won't ever have all the answers because we won't have total transparency from from everybody, from either, let's say, CrossFit HQ, or whatever its entity might be called now, to the athletes, to the coaches. We won't ever really know. Um, but this, these are my thoughts. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. Um, the, the use of performance-enhancing drugs within CrossFit is relatively new, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, I would say one of the biggest ones at least right now and we'll dig into the now versus then if we talk about 2007 2008 you know when the game started. Um, Right now one of the biggest reasons is accessibility. The accessibility to performance enhancing drugs on the black market is extremely easy it's it's almost laughable how easy it is to to get a hold of these. Um, Back in 2007 the sport was relatively new and at the time the carryover of, okay, what sort of PEDs are going to be beneficial for this type of type of anaerobic uh, training and performing that we're doing? What's going to work? And it's not you can't just take stuff from the endurance sport and slap it into CrossFit or take stuff from bodybuilding and slap it into CrossFit. And I've seen a lot of athletes try to do that, and it hasn't worked out. People are starting to figure out the formulas now. And If we take a look... There's a bit of a tangent here. If we take a look at what people are getting busted for now, um, I find it interesting on a number of fronts. Um, one, um, I find it interesting that that CrossFit is testing and they're busting people. I think that's a very, very good sign. And, and for the listeners out there, I'm neither pro or con performance-enhancing drugs. I'm totally neutral on the subject. I find it extremely fascinating but from a moral point of view, I couldn't care less. Um, if you choose to do it, there's ramifications. If you choose not to do it, there's ramifications. Um, I don't really care. I just find it really interesting. Um, and, and I think what people are using, if you take a look and what they're getting busted for, it shows a level of thought. There's a level of thought and growth in like People are trying to figure out what would work for a CrossFit. And without a doubt, there's carryover from the bodybuilding crowd, and there's carryover from the endurance crowd. Um, But why people weren't using back then? Probably more accessibility than anything. Um, Nowadays there's a lot more people involved in the sport and we can't dismiss the fact that there's money involved. Mm Any time that all of a sudden becomes cash incentive or money incentive, people will put their morals aside to maybe get to that point. And despite the recent changes in sort of the structure of the season of CrossFit, there was a time when if you made it to the games or you just made it to regionals, that could be a ticket to a career within the sport. You could sell yourself on social media. You could promote yourself. That's a big deal. And where I saw a lot of the use was within bubble athletes. So the athlete that was wanted to be the best at his gym, but he wasn't the best, or the athlete that she could almost get to regionals, but she wasn't good enough in the open or the athlete that was really good at regionals, but just almost couldn't make it to the games. That's where I saw the use. Most of that use would be, despite what people think, and we can dig into this, I think is really interesting, is at the recreational level. That's where most of the use is happening. At the very high level, let's say back in 2007 or 2010 to 2019, it's a little different field now, um, not a lot of use in the top 10. And that will actually really surprise people when I say that, right? Because you look at these athletes and they're physical specimens. They've got amazing performance, amazing physiques, um, endless capacity. And the criticism from outside of CrossFit was always like, oh, these, they have to be. They have to be cranking. These guys are cranking. They're all cranking. And there was an article, and I want to say, oh, I don't want to quote the authors properly on this. There were, I want to say it was John Romano. Um, and if, it, if it's not, I apologize to John Um, he was very critical of the athletes, especially the top 10 athletes at the games. And he had a formula that was based on body mass index, based on height, weight, body weight. And if you were over a certain number, and I don't have the formula in front of me, um, without a doubt, you were on gear. And it's funny because I took a look at that. And then I looked at some of these athletes and a lot of them I knew personally, and I'm like, okay. I've been trying to get this guy on creatine since day one, so I, I know he's not cranking. Um, and it was just these are the one percent of the one percent, right? The, the the stimulus that CrossFit and the style of training that CrossFit entails enabled them to put on the muscle mass that they have. They stay as lean as they were. And from an outsider's point of view, coming from the bodybuilding crowd, um, where where the it's very accepted that people are using here, right? Without about using performance enhancing drugs, anabolic. Androgenic steroids. Um, it's very accepted. And in fact, there's there's certain um, competitions that you have that are just for clean athletes. You can't go in if you're on gear. That's how prevalent it is in the sport. And the physiques that they attain are quite impressive, without a doubt. Um, but they would take a look across it and be like, oh, all these guys have to be cranking, but no one can physically do what they do unless they were cranking, right? Um, so from an outsider's perspective, that's where a lot of the criticism came from. But Back then, it wasn't as prevalent. Um, SARMs weren't around back then. Um, GH peptides were not around back then. Accessibility to black market performance enhancing drugs was not around back then. Um, now we have a lot of accessibility, and that's the big thing. And the SARMs is another topic altogether too. So,
0: yeah, that was the
1: one I was going to bring up because, like, yeah. I think I think SARMs is one that it, it, you're hearing the the name of it come up a lot more, mm-hmm. and to my knowledge, and I could, be, I could be wrong, but I think it's actually legal to buy it over the counter in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot, there's, I mean, even if it's not, I'm sure there's countries where it, it is, as you mentioned, the accessibility is super, super easy to get. Um, and it's kind of like the, the days back in, if you, were, if you follow baseball and you listen to this, like Mark McGuire was, and those guys, they were purchasing things that you could buy. Like there, it wasn't illegal to buy them. So talk to me a little bit about that responsibility from an athlete's perspective because you're working with you know with athletes now and you're working with uh you've worked with you know marcus philly and other athletes in the past Mm -hmm. how did you how do you go about doing that um and making sure that their stuff is tested and they're getting the right things because it's it's easy i mean the easiest way to not test positive is basically to not take supplements at all Um, (laughs) but I'm sure that's not the angle you want to go with, but like, then it comes to the fact that like there's been studies that show that as many, as much as as high as 10% of supplements found in the market can be tainted with things that aren't on the label. So where do we go with that?
2: Well, yeah. So, I mean, if we, if we're going down that route of like, okay, what's the athlete's responsibility
1: without a doubt,
2: um, if you are a performance based athlete within the sport of CrossFit, you need to be very familiar. With the World Anti-Doping Agency ban list. This is, this is the list that basically all the drug testing companies would follow and most sporting organizations. The NCAA has their own, which is a version of, of the WADA list. Um, lots of other organizations. Everything sort of stems off the WADA ban list. And it's really important to understand what's on that list. Um, it's very easy to avoid everything on that list. If we get into the topic of tainted supplements, this is a deep rabbit hole to go down. I mean, obviously, I have some personal thoughts and incentives in this as to why someone should still take supplements. And for, the, for the listeners that don't know, I, I'm a part owner of Know With You Labs. We're a supplement company. And in the past couple years, we've gotten a lot more inquiries from athletes saying, hey, is your stuff clean? And what I would suggest an athlete does would do would be this. If you're looking at a supplement, you're like, I don't know if I should take this because I'm really good and there's a pretty good chance I'm going to get tested or I have been tested or I'm currently being tested. Um, number one, become familiar with the ingredients on them. right? You can still find supplements out there that have banned substances in it. Like you can still find DMAA out there. It is still out there. Um, that's on the ban list. Um, you need to understand the ingredients. Look for third party testing. For a supplement company to go above and beyond and do third party testing is extremely expensive for that company. I say that knowing it because we're going into it right now. And it's thousands upon thousands of dollars per lot that's required. These companies basically take your supplement, they'll test it against bad, supp- banned supplements and they'll give you their stamp of approval. Um, that's one of the safest ways to know. know. the company, know the owners. If people want to talk to me, about I will say, yeah, we can talk to my manufacturer. I know my manufacturer personally. I know exactly what's in their facility. Um, you need to take responsibility to yourself. Um, when an athlete gets busted and they say, oh, it was tainted supplements. Um, I always, always have a skeptical hat on. There's a lot more that goes into that. For a supplement company to put a banned substance um, into their into their product is that, to me I have a hard time wrapping my head around the profitability of that. <laughs> but it's happened, it's definitely happened. Um, this is a little off topic. I, I work as a firefighter paramedic and the fire department I work for, we have a hazardous materials team. We have an $80,000 um, hazardous materials scanner it's, it's quite the Star Trek little device. Um, it's able to basically, it's got a 10,000 item database of like basically every substance out there that you can scan. And we were playing with it one day and we scanned a pre-workout supplement. And I'm not going to say which one. It wasn't max performance. Um, it was something, uh, one of the guys I work with had bought it in the States and brought it back. I'm um, not saying that the US is a bad place, but um, Canada has some different versions of, of what we can sell here. Um, we scanned it and it came up with synthetic testosterone it was in the pre-workout and i was really surprised by that it's pretty rare that that will happen but it does happen so when you hear that 10 percent number i'm not surprised um in the early 2000s um late 90s it was not unheard of for a lot of supplement companies to be putting pro hormones into their supplements because they worked and they worked really well and if word of mouth got out that hey i just put on like 10 pounds within like 10 pounds of muscle mass within like 60 days using this stuff that's that's a big deal right? um, but it's it's the risk to benefit for a supplement company is outrageous like the risk is massive compared to the benefits so I'm, I'm always surprised to hear it Um the cost would be that expensive the, the risk would be enormous stuff like Osterine, um to buy in bulk is not cheap rad 140 is not cheap synthetic testosterone is as cheap as it is, it's still not easy to, to import that from China or Russia. Like there's still it's still a problematic thing for lots of lots of um, black market producers to do. So so it's crazy. It happens, but honestly, that's probably mostly a legal defense on an athlete's part when they say it's the banned substances. They're looking for a way to clear their name or to pass.
1: Yeah, one of the things, actually, I was listening to the uh, Stronger by Science podcast with uh, Greg Knuckles, and I can't remember their co-host, to be honest, with you right now, but um, one of the things he mentioned was that if you're worried about that being, and you you want to use that as your defense, never quite finish your supplements, always have something that you can test, because you're still going to get, if you pop for whatever it happens to be in said supplement, at least you can prove that you didn't purposely ingest it. If that's available, yeah. I mean that's a way to protect yourself as an athlete. You're still going to get bans, but like there's there's still yeah. going to be a sanction for, for it because you have to be responsible for what went into your system. But at least that safeguards it in some way, shape, or form. Um, so that's, that's actually
2: really
1: good. That's some pretty solid advice,
2: actually. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never, thankfully, um, as a coach or an athlete, had to go down that legal legal loop of that. Um, so i I've, I've never sort of gone down there. That would make sense if you had some left. Um, We'd be able to be able
1: to test it, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things to, to bring up. Um, like I think that it, it became it became present of mine where I wanted to talk and explore this a little bit more when Ellie Cabord uh of CrossFit Mayhem. Um I can't remember which team she po- she tested positive on, but she's been with Rich Froning for years. Um and she tested positive out of the Reykjavik uh, CrossFit Championship and you don't, to my knowledge, have heard her sanction yet, but she she had that route. She went the route of con- claim, or claiming that she had contaminated substances uh, or uh, I believe,
2: supplements. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, I, I I might be wrong on this. I'm going off the top of my head. Someone actually sent this to me a little while ago, and I hadn't heard about it. I believe it was. Um, she got tested. She got tested positive for clenbuterol metabolites, and. She said it was from the food that she ate. And that's, that's actually a topic in and of itself, clenbuterol in meat products. Um, is it an issue? Um, yeah, it's an issue. There's still, so, so for those that don't know, um, clenbuterol is a is beta-2 agonist. So it's similar to things like bentalin or albuterol, um, causes bronchodilation, um, affects, you, so affects some of your, your cardiac receptors, increases your heart rate, your metabolic rate. Traditionally used as a quote unquote cutting agent within the bodybuilding community uh, because it's thermogenic, because it increases your basal metabolic rate, you're expending more calories. So it's used as a cutting agent. Um, Why someone would use that in a sport like CrossFit is a little bit beyond me. Maybe there's something I don't know about the sport. I like to think I know a little bit about CrossFit um, and performance. Um, use stimulant like that when we're doing max effort it doesn't make a lot of sense without a doubt stimulants are ergogenic performance enhancing so um, that aside um, why someone would purposely take it unless they wanted to either reduce their weight reduce their body size or improve, improve their body composition um, I think they would probably be better things to do um, from a performance enhancing point of view prior to a competition it doesn't make sense to me um but Let's say it was contaminated meat. There are still countries that do all with their cattle um, from a growth promoting point of view because it is an anabolic agent in addition to being a stimulant. Okay? It can improve the, the quality of the meat, it can keep the meat lean, then use it in cattle, in, in mostly in South America, South American countries. Um, Iceland, Europe, I don't know, I've never looked into it. Um, so did she consume some meat that had clenbuterol and there was metabolites in your system? Maybe. Half life of a half life of computer off the top of my head' um, is pretty short I think the detection time is about four or five days. It's out your system pretty quick, so she should have been able to trace back to exactly what meal she had if it wasn't meat. Um, I never did follow up on the on the whole thing I, I saw a little bit of the video that she was on the bridge talking about um, so that's that's my thoughts on that
1: um, yeah and there's there's more there's more investigation going into it as well, and I think that's one of the things that you know, athletes are starting to have to take a bigger responsibility than even that. Like, like I'm sure it's very possible that, like you said, the the detection um time for her could have been that four days that she had it when she was Iceland. But you know, it the the onus might be on you now to say you need to make sure you know where your food's coming from when you go to these countries for it. And the other thing I think I heard Pat Bellner talking actually on the podcast. He was talking about performance enhancing drugs, and he was talking about just knowing where everything that's going into your mouth is coming from. Like just, he was talking about the idea that given a water bottle from a a volunteer at the games and about to drink it and being like, Oh shit, was it, was that sealed? Was it sealed before they, before they gave it to me? Because like there could be, not that a judge would want to do that, but like a volunteer judge could tamper with it. Right. And even myself, like I was just thinking the other day, I, I went to, to, to go put BCAs in before a workout and, I had the same container as someone else at the gym and I grabbed the wrong one and put it in there. And I'm like, shit, like, not that I'm being tested, but if I was being tested, this could be a very easy way. If that person was using, there's no way for me to have known other than the old, oh, I don't think they would cheat kind of scenario. Right. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, yeah, you just, you just never do know nowadays. And I mean, like I said, there's, there's a lot, a lot to be gained by winning some of these competitions. Um, there's, There's a lot more to be lost, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. say.
1: So without going too, too crazy, you mentioned off the top that, you know, the, the science behind it and kind of getting there, I mean, there's, to my knowledge, maybe there is one, but there's no Lance Armstrong within the CrossFit world right now. That's has is undergoing such a crazy doping program that we don't know. Maybe there is, and we find out in five years. However, for the time being now, What has been the biggest changes in terms of the drugs that you're seeing or that people would be using and what are the ones that would be beneficial that most people in CrossFit would be taking? Are they the ones that you're necessarily seeing that people are popping for?
2: Yeah, but that's a good question. So, I mean, as a disclaimer, um, just because I'm about to say, okay, these are the ones I think are beneficial, these are the ones I think are not beneficial. That's not a green light for anybody to run out and try it, Um, (laughs) getting into... So, as as a little bit of due diligence here, Um, none of these are benign substances. Whether we're talking about SARMs, and we'll talk about the legality of those. Um, We'll talk about, um, you know, uh, anabolic androgenic steroids. These are not benign substances. Do they work? Yeah, they work really well. Some of them work really well. Without a doubt, when you start to mess with your endocrine system, that's a path if you go down, you might not come back from. There's going to be long-lasting negative effects from this. These are not... To be taken lightly. And that's one thing I see nowadays. Um back in the late 80s, early 90s, um people understood this was shit that could fuck you up. Um it was hard to get a hold of. Um, if you did, um chances are it was real and it wasn't black market. It was just really expensive, but it was like next level. Everyone I see a very lackadaisical attitude towards these. And I think people need to understand that once you start to manipulate your hormone system, your energy system, Um, you might have permanent negative changes. I just want to say that. So um, some of the things that are out there that I see people doing, well, without a doubt, um, I'm seeing lots of different types of cycles. When I talk about a cycle or a stack, it's coming from the bodybuilding community where they'll take a bunch of different anabolic agents and stack them together. And these were mostly used for hypertrophy in the bodybuilding community. One of the things that's carried over into CrossFit is recovery. Really, if we think about it, the best of the best are able to recover really fast. If we can recover from our training session, then we can prepare and do the next one even sooner with the same amount of intensity. Um, I see people using things like exogenous testosterone. It's not as common as you would think. It's very common with the but Whether that's testosterone recipientate, testosterone endothate. Um, I did hear, now this is only third hand, so I don't know for sure, I did hear about a female athlete at regionals using a combination of testosterone recipientate, she was coached to end up changing that to testosterone propionate, so a shorter acting ester, Um, she was also using growth hormone, which is very hard to detect, there's not very many tests that are easily accessible to detect for exogenous growth hormone use, Um, and she was using Anabar, which is a very common oral anabolic that females yeah, that's a very aggressive female athlete. Um, I had somebody approach me and say, when I'm, an athlete I know, and she's like, How can I compete against girls when they're doing this? And I just said, That's the game. You have no choice, right? You have a choice, but it um, depends which way you go. Um, th- that's not as common as you think. Um, you go down the road of like off season. Do athletes do this in the off season when they're not being tested? Probably. Um, people are very smart. It's easy to figure out the detection half life of some of these uh, components, right? Um, and if they're being tested in the off-season, CrossFit's doing that now, they have a list where they're doing in-competition testing, they're doing off-season testing for certain athletes. Um, their testing protocols are becoming quite expensive, which is really good to see. They have no choice but to do that, to make they try to maintain a high level of legitimacy. It wasn't that long ago that their testing was a complete joke You could basically use whatever you want and go in, and if you got tested, you probably weren't going to get busted because it's a very expensive. um, Back up. The expense is very high to have a solid, reputable third party come in and do drug testing. It's very expensive, especially if you have a large selection of PEDs, performance drugs that you're trying to test. What we'll most commonly see. Right now is people being busted for things like STARMs. These would be Osteri. This would be your RAD 140 or what's known as Testamol. Um, these would be you know GW 501516, which is durable. It's also carbon, that's also I don't know. Um, these are the ones that are most common. Why? Because they're very easily accessible. And as you alluded to earlier, they're not illegal. There's a difference. We have we have anabolic androgenic steroids. These would be things like your Anabar, your Trenbol, your testosterone, um, your EQ. These would be your your AASS, AAS. um, your SARNs, your Selective Androgen Receptor Modulators. So so to back up a bit, the, the AASS, AASS, sorry, I'm tripping over my words here. I've got too many thoughts. In <laughs> anabolic agents are illegal. Are illegal to possess, at least in North America, illegal to possess, illegal to buy, unless you have a prescription. We're not going to get into the whole, you know, is it medically exempt thing? Um, you can go to jail for that. In other countries, it's a little bit loose. Mexico, I don't think they have any rules. In Europe, it's very socially acceptable to um, use. Accessibility there is a lot higher, um, especially in places like the UK. SARMS are considered research chemicals. These fall into like a really gray area right now. We've got food, we've got over-the-counter supplements, we've got prescription medication. They banned substances like you know, some the anabolics. Um, Research chemicals fall into a really gray area. They're, they're not a supplement, they're not a food. What are they? We don't know, they're just categorized as research, research chemicals. So it's legal to buy them, It's legal to sell them in most places. And you can take it and you're not gonna go to jail. They're banned though. If you look at the World Anti-Doping Agency ban list, they're on there, they're all on there. That list is updated very, very regularly. with a lot of substances that people probably haven't even heard of. They, it's a very cat and mouse game. they have to be on top of what the latest and greatest peptide or SARM might be. And there's lots out there, there's lots I don't even know about um, that are popping out. this is what people are getting busted for because they're very easy to access. The Most common ones would be your Osterine, which is a SARM, um, your GW, which I talked about, which is um, the top of my head, it's I think it's a Delta Delta agonist, a PPAR Delta agonist. You might be getting that wrong. Basically, increases your use of fat as fuel, which is awesome if you're an endurance athlete. It's been used and abused in the endurance community for years and years and years. Initially, was a research chemical used to treat obesity problem is they found it increased cancer really high rate so the human trials were stopped <laughs> um, actually never got to human trials it only got to the rat trials and then they are like okay we're gonna disband this um, but sometimes the risk is uh, it's been picked up in the endurance crowds <laughs> um, to France and they'll use um, pretty high dosing of the GW501 resource. We're seeing that. So, common common story that people know about is uh, the Ricky Ricky Gerard, right? So he placed really well. He got busted for Testolone, which is also known as Rad One Forty, which is a very strong and potent SARM, and GW. That is a great combination for people. That aside, I'm going to say that before. there's definite side effects and risks for that. Um, People think that these signs are benign, and they're not going to cause back or down regulation of your own uh, testosterone production. That's not true. Something that strong like Radwin causes feedback. It's going to cause shutdown of your own production of your testosterone. As a guy, that's a very bad thing. <laughs> you want to be able to create your own testosterone. If you don't, what do you think is going to happen? Not good things, and then so the risk of the dW is also you don 't know in the short term, probably nothing. ten years down the road, you get you know malignant pancreatic cancer. thanks for coming out. Um, is the risk worth it i don 't think so right so that 's some of the common ones out there um, what else uh, i don 't know what other questions
1: yeah, I think that's a that 's a good point to go into, and then it 's also interesting you know every time. Every time someone tests positive, you always have to go. You go into this trial on morality, right? And in terms of this person would never do that. They don't seem like the type that would do that. Um, and then you get this year another one that was interesting, that was followed was actually Ricky's brother Ben who tested positive, um, and tested positive for I don't think it's the identical same thing, but it was the GW uh, fifteen sixteen metabolites in his system. Um, and he basically came out and said that he he didn't do it. He doesn't not sure how it came into his system, um, along with a lot of other things that are interesting. Following on his his system that way, um, and he's not sure how it got into his system. And obviously, that's I would say of, of the people who get caught, I would say at least ninety percent are the ones that are saying. hey I have no idea how this got into my system it's supplements it's XYZ and it's also with I think with the case of Ben it's it's a very minuscule amount that was found in his system so that's Mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about too because when it comes to testing and and the efficacy and efficiency of the tests they've changed a lot in the last 20 years oh yeah insofar as actually keeps tests for up to 10 years so I believe it was in the 2014 games or the 2010 games um, they they started test they had to change the medal ceremonies around after the fact just because there's so many people that were testing positive once they got this new technology to test and that was one of the things that uh, it was interesting listening to Jeff Nowitzki on the Joe Rogan podcast just talking about how how much and how close the science has gone these days um, in the John Jones case uh, who was with the UFC just because he, he tested positive on something that he might have taken years ago or it could have been mixed in some cocaine um, because John Jones has a bit of a illicit drug history um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was was those new testing how strong has it gotten because even last year we, we look at one of the most famous bands so far is Emily Abbott who claims that she were tested positive and, and i can't remember exactly what she tested positive for but she uh i think it was a beta arbutamorphine and she uh she got it from her from kissing her boyfriend or her her, her, her fiance is what she called. yeah that's yeah, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy for sure
2: well fame yeah that's, that's the, the famous excuse. um yeah and i mean yeah it was uh i think it was uh one of the the drug oil jeans which is funny funny one that someone would would take that um, in sport to something like, you know, if you're going to eat VH, VH peptides, or an oral juice that's something you're going to be taking for, like, six months to see the benefit. Um, and I don't know, you know, it, I can only speculate. Once again, I want to disclaimer. I don't, I don't know, Emily. I can only speculate. Um, but to have that transferred in saliva or semen or whatever the story was, I don't know. It's a pretty ridiculous excuse to use. Um, the detection times on these, it, the times haven't changed, but the amount that they can detect has become better. And I'm not really up to speed on the testing technology, but yeah, I know they've gone back with some of the Olympic samples, the IOC, because the technology has up to speed, and it's completely changed the, the format, what the podium would look like, of the medal taken away. Um, I mean, Without a doubt, the testing is is sensitive. It's very sensitive, um, and I think people who want to try to get away with this. Are looking at, you know, they're, they're looking at detection times, and they're like, okay, you know, the detection time for anavar is like three weeks, so I'm going to cut it off here, or you know, even the detection times for sarms, we're not sure on. We're not sure how long those metabolites stay. Just really, we want to get into the nitty gritty. That's what's being detected. It's the metabolite, right? Um, one of the things that John Jones got busted for, was, um, he got busted for a couple things, was, was the use of exogenous testosterone. And one of the common ways to test for that is to look at the testosterone to epitestosterone a one-to-one ratio. Then we know that there's some exogenous use that's happening. We can't say how much, we can't say, oh, he was taking testosterone a week. Um, but we know that the, if that ratio is not true, then then we know that there's exogenous the When it comes to some of the other components, like whether it's Xanobar like it's or, or it's Nandrolone, um, these stay in our system for a certain amount of time, um, most likely stored in our fat. Um, something like Nandrolone or EchoPose, that can be like five months, that can be up to like 18 months for like, for for for, for, for like, like these things can stay in our system for a long time. So if somebody's using this, they're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna game this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this cycle for like four months and then I'm gonna be clean and I'm gonna walk into you know, a competition a week later and I'll be fine. And that's not necessarily true nowadays. I mean, these things are just theorized, right? Um, depending on how fast your metabolism is, how what percentage of body fat you have, how well your liver works. And these are all gonna help that. So and you know if the technology you know, able to detect smaller and smaller amounts so that shoots that right out the window so I mean it, here's the thing if you're a competitive athlete and you have any chance of getting tested at all you need to like steer clear of any of this because without a doubt it's not a matter of if you get busted it's a matter of any, right? especially nowadays like we know looking back that um, 1988, yeah, 1988, 100-meter 100 100 meter dash, um, Ben Johnson got busted. We know now every single athlete on that line has used performance-enhancing drugs. And at that time, every single athlete was used. Ben was one that got busted. And there's, there's a lot of drama behind that. Um, we know that all those athletes were using So it's just it's just a matter of time. And who's not who's to say that if CrossFit won't start keeping samples and let's say five years from now when the technology even gets better, they'll go back and test even further, right? Start doing more drop in testing on random athletes. Yeah, I mean, the risk is is not there. And that's why we're seeing, or at least that's why I'm seeing, more use at the recreational level. These are just people, and it's really kind of funny, the mindset. People have nothing to gain as far as, let's say, financial gain. In fact, it costs a lot of money to buy these SARMs, buy these anabolics. But they just want to be the best in their gym or (laughs) the best in their province or state or whatever. And they're just doing, like, you know, local competitions. And it's almost like the the ego. It's crazy. Because if I think about the risk, it's like, it's substantial. It's substantial. When you have complete shutdown from negative feedback. you know, a pretty heavy cycle. That's something you need to deal with for the rest of your life. i probably an endocrinologist, you know, and, and get some help, at least as a guy, right? um, We're talking about women. Women are a little more sensitive, this issue. more, uh, I would have to say they have a little more common sense than a guy, because they know that a lot of these substances are virilizing, meaning they're gonna cause you to have, you know, have massive changes. change. Your voice will deepen. You'll get acne, you'll get hair on your face. The forest will grow. And this is the thing that can happen with women. So they're usually smart enough to steer clear of this. That said, I still find it really interesting when I see what women have been busted for, right? Um, And it's almost like a 50 50 within CrossFit, what women are getting getting busted and guys. So maybe I'm completely wrong in that they have more common sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting to the, the, the fact you are talking about the recreational athlete who wants to get into using, just because it's, it's such an interesting little study on the human psychology and how, how important it is to be valued and how important it is to be liked. Um, and if, if, if you think that your value or your popularity or whatever it happens to be is derived from you being successful within mm-hmm. athletics, Um, even if you look at these, if if you look at these sanction events, like for Waterpalooza, for example, or Can West, we can assume that in the future, they're going to be having tiers underneath the competitive level. So there's a, there's a little bit of notoriety you can get from being, you know, at the RX of Waterpalooza, for example, and doing well there. There's some cash. There's not, you're not going to make a living from it. Even, even here at Costa Curry Barracks, there's, we have the battle Battle the barracks every year, which is a big, a big competition in Alberta, um, and there's prize money to be made there too. Like, and I, and I could totally see how that would be something you'd want to use for. The other thing I, I thought that um, was interesting was, for years people would say, you know, that drug tests are essentially IQ tests. If you're an idiot, if you, if you see all of them, if you, all you have to do is work with your, you know, your local expert on, on passing this, and find someone online, and they can teach you how to do it. But it's interesting that, and again, Greg Knuckles brought this up in that podcast, is that testing has gotten so strict and so good yep. these days that the only way that Russia could figure out how to beat it was to cut a hole in the wall on the bookshelf and, ah. pa- and pass shit through, right? Like it wasn't, oh, yeah. they, weren't, they weren't cycling on and off, they were full on cheating. And yep. the, the only way they could beat the system was by literally tampering with their own labs and, and changing actually what the testing was. So that's super interesting in terms of how um, how they continue to navigate that and how it actually changes within the drug testing policies, if you will. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about too, and we'll talk about this on our next, on the part two of this, because it's, it's interesting, is the idea that CrossFit doesn't have its own, or sorry, CrossFit does have its own proprietary testing company. They don't use WADA in ways that other sports may. So I found that to be a little bit interesting. And it's it, it's still new. They may, I mean, in years to come, they may transfer to, to WADA sanctioned testing. Um, but it's interesting that CrossFit's the one handling this. So essentially, drug Free Sport gives them the test results, and they choose what to do with it. So we assume... And I'm not trying to, you know, be conspiracy theory Eric here, but we assume they're bringing out everyone that is testing positive, but we don't in fact know everything that that has gone on and and what that has looked like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what are your thoughts on, on kind of the state of that?
2: Well, you know, I think that that drug free sport, um, I think they do a really good job I think they're water compliant. I think um, now this is just, once again, all the inside information on this, um, I mean, I've I've looked over the list at which, that's they, yeah, pretty expensive, and it's pretty. There was a time, without a doubt, there was a time, which CrossFit wasn't coming to water standards. Um, I don't know what company they were using back in the day. I'm old to say that, um, but I know it was pretty Mickey Mouse, and they weren't. Like, there was people who were clearly, clearly using stuff, and they were getting tested, and they were coming back clean, and. Um, it was really surprising to me, um, but but now with this uh, drug-free sport, um, they do test in accordance with WADA guidelines. Um, so I know there was some issues with you know, like caffeine that some people were taking in, and, and you know, water had sort of had up on their, on their guidelines as well to allow it. And what else did they allow? They actually allowed a certain drug recently. Um, I'll I was really surprised. They didn't usually stuff.
1: So Dude. one of the things too that was interesting was the, the I think it was the um okay. issue because water actually allows a certain level within the system just because there has been cases, I think there's been boxers that, that have proved that it came from actual meat and such yeah. things like that, whereas CrossFit didn't. So that's one of the things that I found that was interesting that they kind of made their own rules and it's still such a new thing that what I think what actually brought that in, in 2018 or 2019. So right. relatively recently, And CrossFit, like I said, could change, but I just found that interesting that they took kind of their own path on that and gave basically a zero tolerance policy. Cause again, and this is probably the last question that I can think of today. Is there certain limits Or should there be some sort of a a limit in terms of this is when you start to see performance from drug X, Y, or Z? Is that where we're going?
2: Yeah, you know, I think as the testing gets better, um, it makes sense. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but common sense would dictate. Um, Even if you, this this gets into the whole question of, okay, out-of-competition testing. Mm -hmm. Someone, let's say, okay, let's have a scenario. Let's say an athlete out of competition does a really aggressive four-month cycle of like some SARMs and some anabolics and makes a bunch of lean gains and performance enhancing and all that stuff. But then at the competition they test and they are clean. Um is should that be allowed? I mean the resounding the resounding knee-jerk reaction, no, because that athlete's still cheating. They're using substances in the office. I'm like, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, But if they have a small amount in their system at that point in time, is it performance enhanced? I would say, no, it's not. But because of what they've done or the four months previous, they have put themselves into a better performance position. So, I mean, I think it has to be, and I know I'm totally going off topic. Here. I'm not actually answering the question. Um, I think it has to be an all or nothing policy. We mm-hmm. either have to have a zero tolerance policy where it's like, out of competition, Christmas Day, doesn't matter. I'm going to come to your house and test you. If you have even a nanogram of something in your system, thanks for coming out. You're not competing at this level anymore. Or it has to be a door's wide open. Come on in. Let's Let
1: get animals it. In. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. I, I think it's really hard to have gray areas when it comes to this. There's lots of opinions and there's lots of more morality issues are involved in this too. But if we're just coming down to what is – Fair—that's really what it comes down to. What is fair as far as performance goes? Um, you either have to be completely clean, or you're not. Um, there's really no middle ground because the studies have shown that the athlete has that has done, let's say, a cycle of anabolic or performance-enhancing drugs years previous, still has an advantage over the athlete that hasn't, because they're going to maintain that level of lean body mass. If we're just talking lean body mass, um, absolutely. If, done studies on that they're like yes there is still is a positive benefit to that as far as performance even if you did a cycle of whatever four years ago you're still ahead of the game as far as a clean quote-unquote clean athlete you yeah.
1: Know
2: nothing. yeah
1: yeah i think that's really interesting just in so far is that you know people will try to compare say drunk driving and you have, in canada anyways you have your legal reference li- limit i think it's 0.05 and 0.08 yep. but it's Driving a car drunk is not the same as testing positive, because while you might blow .06, or, or sorry, point, .04 and below below the limit, your decisions prior to driving that car don't necessarily impact what that blood decision or what, that, what your performance is while you're driving. Whereas at that point, you need you need a certain component to actually make sure that you're in the right spot. To perform that way,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: And I think that if you if you're if you are way over those, or if you're sorry, like you mentioned, if you're if you're higher or you're testing positive, you know, just during the off season, you haven't you haven't necessarily done anything in competition, right? Like you're not competing at that point, so it's not necessarily the same thing. So I think <laughs> to when you get to the competition, like you said, like, even if it, even if you don't hold the same muscle mass, if if you could snatch say 265, 275 during training, and you have that you have that mental confidence in doing that, yeah. that's huge when you walk up to that bar of the games, right? Like that that makes a massive impact.
2: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think it's a very interesting thing that Water's done as far as allowing a specific level of of based on. You know, based on the fact that it still is in is in the food sources in, in the meat around the world. Um I had an athlete recently that was competing in South American country and we had to be really cognizant of that. <laughs> and it was uh, and, and and she would have been drug tested for that too. Um and it was like wow like mean, that's an actual issue, right? And it probably happens unintentionally to a lot of athletes. And mm-hmm. without a doubt, I mean this but there's probably been a lot of athletes, unfortunately, that have had positive tests, and they were truly innocent, right? Where they they didn't actually knowingly take anything, and whether it was accidental, like you said, it was the water bottle, or it was someone put it in there, um, or it was from a food from source, um, it can happen. Um, that's a, that's a tough area to navigate for sure. I mean, that's that's the realm of the IOC and World Anti-Doping and that kind of stuff, but. Um, no, it spins back to you as an athlete. You need to take the responsibility into your own hands and know what the heck you're taking. Like, you know, you don't just take a pre-workout because your body says it's cool. Like, look at the ingredients. Read the ingredients. Um, information is free. There's no ingredient on a label that you can't Google and figure out. Um, the sciencey goodness is not that hard to understand sometimes. So you just got to Google it figure it out.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you don't know, either ask your coach because there's a very good chance you're working with a coach at some point at some point, or check contact CrossFit. Check, yeah. check and make sure that like that what you're taking is is good. Yeah, I mean a drug exemption if you need one. Yeah, well, yeah, I
2: mean that's that's a whole different thing too for the whole drug exemption. I think the only thing they do allow exemption for is is some of the beta two agonists like um, like Ventolin, I Do believe, and I could be wrong, that stuff like TRT testosterone replacement therapy for for the guys who over forty, I think they're still pretty sticky with that. Um, I'm, I'm not 100 percent on that right now. Um, yeah, I know it's a whole
1: different rabbit hole you go on too. It's a whole different route. Yeah, I had to
2: deal with that a couple of years back with some athletes. But um, they are they basically take a no. It's like a um, it's all or nothing, right? Like they're they're very strict, which I think that's a good stance to take. I think if you as soon as you start to allow things, you give somebody an inch and they'll they'll want a mile, right? Yeah. Um, I think to have a zero tolerance policy is not a bad thing in the sport. So I agree.
1: Yeah, I think that's enough to to wrap up with today, Mike. I think I want to talk, chat with you again, um, maybe yeah. after the after the games is over, because like I mean, not to not to to really try to jeopardize it or make any bold predictions, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising given the amount of people, um, and the current the current change of the CrossFit season. If we see some more people who are testing positive at this year's games, we're gonna have a ton of athletes there, and yes, a ton of athletes that got entry with just the open and we're never tested at the open right mm-hmm. so there's going to be some interesting cases there that there, there could be i mean i could be wrong there could be nobody there so the next one i'd like to chat about for sure is just going through and, and how we would build out a different policy if we will or anything that we would kind of change or add to the existing policy um, whether that's appeals et cetera, et cetera. we go down that rabbit
0: hole again.
2: yeah we'll do some uh, some post-game analysis i think it'd be good
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mike. All
2: right.